Hello and welcome to Type 1's Talk Sport, the podcast hosted by the BDA Sports and Exercise Diabetes Subgroup. Our aim is to make sports and exercise nutrition education more accessible to people living with type 1 diabetes and to all those who support them. During these episodes, we as dietitians will share our expert nutrition knowledge with you and speak to other experts in this field. We will also share inspiring stories from athletes and individuals participating in different sports and activities, exploring how they are navigating their type 1 diabetes alongside everything else. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a review, subscribe for upcoming content and follow us on social media. Hi Curtis and welcome to our Type 1's Talk Sports podcast. Please introduce yourself and your sport of interest, which for you is skiing. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. It's a weird one, skiing. It it can be casual, it can also be very extreme. (laughs) A little bit about me, I'm a trainee solicitor, I work in Leeds at a law firm called Adashaw Goddard. I've been diabetic for about 10 years, type 1 diabetes, and I've, in the past four years, I've done quite a bit of volunteering with Diabetes UK, been involved with a number of initiatives with, you know, held like awareness raising events, that sort of thing. So I'm always happy to get involved in, you know, anything to do with diabetes research or pushing more awareness, that sort of thing. So yeah, I'm really happy to do this podcast today, hopefully share a bit of insight into what it's like with diabetes and skiing. Tell us a bit more about how did you discover skiing then? Well, I was I was quite lucky, really. About 12 years ago, around 2010, our family decided to take us on a ski trip. It's something that my, my dad had been involved with for quite a long time before we'd actually gone as a family. And he kind of wanted to sort of extend it out and bring us along for the ride. So we were very lucky and we, we got to go to Austria, a ski resort called Sol. And me and my two sisters, we went to a, a little ski school. So we had about, over the course of the six days we were there, we did about four days in a ski school just learning to ski everything to do with skiing and actually just getting the basics whilst my parents then they were off having fun on the mountain so that's where I learned to ski and we, we got about two days free time after the ski school to just go and you know have some fun on the mountain and ever since we had that week up abroad I've always just thought like this is this is absolutely amazing like, I love just being away in the mountains I love literally everything about it the physicality of it but also the speed <laughs> Just everything. I just remember those feelings as a child. I was like, this is absolutely amazing. And I think ever since that holiday, I was like, I absolutely, I just fell in love with skiing. And that's kind of how I discovered it, really. Because before that, so I was probably only like maybe 10 or 11. I played a bit of football. I wasn't too involved with many other sports apart from that. I absolutely hated anything running-wise or athletics. It was that was definitely not for me. So when we had that trip, I just instantly fell in love with everything, the, the scenery, the actual the sport of it. It was absolutely brilliant. So that's kind of how I discovered it, I guess. And we were lucky enough over the sort of previous 10, 12 years, we were lucky enough to go away a couple more times to different resorts and more than anything, just developed my passion more, more and more. And it was only then really really when I got to university that I started taking it up more as a I guess weekly sport but when I first actually so back in it must have been 2010 when we first went away it was only a year later when I was actually diagnosed with diabetes so from the start you know I've pretty much had to deal with diabetes in tandem with going away and doing any sort of extreme sport or sport generally and Obviously, that brings all different types of challenges. But I think for me, my passion for skiing, it sort of overrided any of the barriers or challenges that diabetes brought with it. So would you be comfortable telling us a bit more about your diabetes diagnosis story and how that was for you and your family? 
Yeah, yeah. So I was, I mean, I was only like 12 years old when I was first diagnosed. I remember way back when I was having the strangest symptoms, which I couldn't really figure out for myself, let alone my parents could figure out. And it was all the classic signs, drinking loads of water, loads of juices. I really loved orange juice and apple juice at the time, which was, uh, <laughs> it was like shooting myself in the foot, really. I'd, I'd go through gallons of it. And obviously the impact of that is raising my blood sugar even more, which makes you then even more thirsty. So it's kind of a, a deadly little circular. Yeah, it's, that, that wasn't good. <laughs> all the classic signs, just waking up through the night, going to the toilet, really sort of like mouth dryness. I remember one particular time when I was in school and this was you know I'd, I'd sort of raised some of the symptoms with my parents but a lot of it got you know passed off for you know maybe you're going through puberty maybe it's this maybe it's that nothing that's too much of a cause for concern yet I remember one time when I was in school I think it was in an English class just, this was like year, year seven year eight and I was just sat at my desk on the verge of I felt like I was going to pass out and my hands were shaky, my legs were shaky. And I always remember it was like maybe 10 minutes to lunchtime. And I just kept thinking like, all I want to do is eat food now. I, I feel so weak. You know, I, I feel like I can't focus, can't concentrate. And eventually I, I went to the nurse that day and told her about the symptoms that I was having. You know, felt really weird and eventually got sent home. And that was kind of the start of the, the story, I guess, because got sent home, told my parents told about all the symptoms, immediately got a GP appointment, went to the GP, did the, the urine test, immediately got referred to, goes to Ormskirk Hospital, did the bloods, and it was, that's where it all really started. I think it was about, from, from when I first had the symptoms, it was probably maybe three or four weeks from when I actually got to a diagnosis. So over that period, I'd lost a lot of weight, and, you know, considering I was only 12 at the time anyway. I think I went from around 60 kilograms to about 45 kilograms. Like I'd lost so much weight. I was so like, I was thick thin by the time I was in hospital. And I remember the first blood test they did on me, I think I had a, a blood sugar level of 28.4 or something like that. So yeah, immediately it was just, you know, in hospital for the weekend. Unfortunately, I missed a school trip to Chester Zoo, which was absolutely gutted. <laughs> but yeah, and that, that's kind of where it all started for me. The journey's been up and down. There's been good times, there's been bad times. Luckily, not too many bad times. One of the worst times I remember, after, probably only a year after I got diagnosed, I was sat in my bedroom. I think I was I was eating, just still getting to grips with carb counting, you know, my carb to insulin ratios, all that sort of stuff. And I must have over-injected for a piece of toast or something. And I, I, was sat at my, I was sat at my desk on my computer, just doing, you know, minding my own business, just kind of focus on what I was doing. And then I went to get up and my legs went on me. And I was like, oh my gosh, what's happened here? I, I literally had to like crawl downstairs because my, my blood test kit was in the kitchen. And I, I knew I was low, but I didn't know how low. So I, immediately I, was, I was eating you know, all sorts that was in the fridge, everything that was in the cupboard. I did a blood test and I was about 1.2. I was like, that, that was like one of the scariest times that I've ever had. Thankfully, to be honest, it was the only real time when I, I was severely low. And it was quite lucky. It was, it was, very, it was at the start of my a journey, so to say. And it's something that I'll never forget. And it's, it's a good warning sign for, for me anyway, just to keep on top of it at all times. But yeah, that's kind of where the journey started, so to say. The orange juice thing is interesting, isn't it? As the body is craving like glucose or sugar... 
but it's just not getting into the right place. It's obviously not making enough insulin at this point, but it's what it makes you want to eat and drink, isn't it? It's just literally sugary foods. It's always interesting when I hear patients talking about how they were diagnosed because there's always that stage. But thank you for sharing that. It sounds like you've been through quite a lot. So just going on to what are the challenges and barriers of skiing that you mentioned earlier for you? So say if we're going just abroad generally to a ski resort, one thing you've obviously got to think about is, you know, keeping your insulin like safe and effective and making sure uh, it's in sort of like a heat proof bag. And obviously if insulin gets to a certain low temperature, it becomes ineffective. And that might not be something that you realize till a while down the line when you're actually using the insulin and it's not working, you've not quite realized. So there's those sort of challenges that come with just, I guess, traveling abroad to those sort of environments. But then when actually, I guess, when you're actually on up on a slope, you know, whether that's in a dry slope in the UK or abroad somewhere on the mountain, I think one of the things that affects sort of blood sugar levels the most, at least for me, is the adrenaline factor and how that can come in sort of peaks and troughs. It's not necessarily like, so I think with other sports, say if it's something like athletics based if if you were running i think you're at quite a consistent level of physical exercise over you know a certain period of time i think you can calculate for that much easier you know you can reduce your basal levels your bolus levels whatever it is whatever you do to you maintain the right blood sugars i think that sort of thing is, is slightly easier whereas with skiing you might go through bouts of really intense physical exercise when you're you know going down the mountain to then being sat on a chairlift for 15 minutes so it's kind of like very up down up down up down and then when you add adrenaline into the factor as well you've got the cardiovascular element which can obviously drop your blood sugars and then when the adrenaline kicks in it can it can obviously raise your sugars so i think what you find is it can be going up down up down up down all day long and i think another thing which adds that sort of concoction really is when you're doing something that's particularly scary so when i was when i was going like weekly with university to the sort of the freestyle society meets when you're at the top of the slope and you know you're going to you know, hit some six foot kicker or whatever it is, or you, you're going to hit a rail. There's a lot of fear there. And that's obviously got a massive impact on your blood sugar levels. And I remember the first time we actually went, this, this is a little place called uh, Escaping in Castleford. The first time we went there, I was I was at the top of the slope. And then before, you know, we were due to be there for two hours. And before I was like, right, okay, I'll take a load of dextrose tabs. You know, it's going to be quite physical today, blah, 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 all that. At the top of the slope, you know, I was, I was going down. I was absolutely terrified. <laughs> and about halfway through the session, I decided to test my blood sugar. I wasn't using, I didn't have any sort of devices and medical tech at the time. So I was still using uh, your standard sort of capillary blood tests and testing my blood sugar. And I, I must have been about 19 or 20. And I just, I couldn't for the life of me figure out why that was. And then I thought about it a bit more and it's obviously it was the adrenaline factor that just pushed my blood sugars straight through the roof. So that, that challenge, well, that's that's a particularly worrying challenge really because it's quite hard to predict when you're going to be in those situations. And I know other sports stars like rugby players, you think of like Henry Slade, when they're on the pitch and, you know, the adrenaline's rushing through the body and they've, they've got to take a shot of insulin. I think that's quite scary because... The, the general conception, at least for me, is, you know, when you're doing sports, you should be taking more sugar beforehand to ensure that you don't, you know, drop low. But it's, it's almost like the, the opposite 
what you need to do to sort of help yourself. And I think when, you know, when you're on a mountain, it can, that can be quite hard to get that balance, really. And for me personally, the only the only way I found that, it, well, the best sort of method and approach to, to help and achieve that balance is, is purely just regular testing, regular testing and just seeing what works for you. I'm quite lucky I've got, I've got two pieces of diabetes tech. I've got the Freestyle Libra and I've got the Omnipod as well. So with the Omnipod, I can adjust sort of my basal levels so I can raise it you know, throughout the day. I can lower it off through certain points of the day even. And then equally with the Freestyle Libra, it's, it's much easier that I could just scan my arm rather than have to get the whole blood testing kit out. Because I, I always remember when when we'd go away when we were younger, it was, it was such a pain having to pull over to the side, get it all out. Your hands were absolutely freezing cold. You're trying to draw blood when it's like minus 10. It's, uh, it's, it's much more difficult. Those, those things massively help me actually sort of achieving the right blood, blood sugar levels and making sure that I can, you know, do, do the sport I love you know, well, for as long as, as long as I can, really. Oh, that's interesting. I was going to ask you that, as I'm sure it's not easy testing your blood glucose levels in the cold and halfway down a mountain. So, I mean, has that ever happened to you? Maybe that you are low and you needed to treat a hypo or is it because of the adrenaline? Do you find that doesn't really happen to you? Yeah, I think particularly going on sort of like a ski trip, so to say, rather than doing, you know, what I do at, at Escape with the Freestyle Sessions. I think it tends to it tends to on the side of going low rather than going high, purely because I think once you, there's an initial fear when you go skiing that you've you've completely forgotten how to do it. <laughs> so I think for the first day or so, there's a lot of adrenaline, there's a lot of mix of emotions, and that can contribute towards obviously pushing your blood sugar levels up. But I think over you know the course of say if you you know of the week or something, it does tend to go on the side more of, of low. So you need to be more mindful of that purely because it is a very physical sport. By the end of the day, you're absolutely knackered. All you want to do is go to bed. So there's been a couple of times I remember when when I was younger and when I didn't have access to the medical devices that I have now, that I, there was a lot of times where, you know, you get to the top of the chair, you test your blood sugar and you realise, you know, you were actually quite low. And it might not be something that you picked up when you were skiing down the mountain because sometimes I think with hypoglycemia, a lot of the symptoms can be mistaken for other things. I know there's there's a lot of information and whatnot for diabetics around, like, say, for example, drinking and diabetes and how sometimes drunkness can be perceived, well, just perceived as drunkness when actually it's, it's hypoglycemia. And I think the effects of skiing sort of, it's also the same in that. So when I go hypoglycemic, I get sort of shaky legs, I feel tired um you know if you've been skiing down a mountain all day you're gonna be tired you're gonna have shaky legs you know you're gonna feel a little bit maybe a bit under the weather so i think sometimes it can be a bit dangerous in that sense you know because you don't want to leave it too late in the game before you're having to take your dextrose tablets or you know take take your sweeties or whatever so yeah it's it's difficult to deal with i think and i guess also the the flip side of that the, the hyperglycemia i think sometimes that's much harder to detect and it might not necessarily be something that well especially like first time you know going away skiing that you could pick up whilst you're actually doing the sport yeah it's it's a tough one to try to figure out and nail down 
but it's it's one of those that with experience and time like you you know you figure out what best works for you but as i say without the medical devices i've got now i you know i i, I wouldn't be half the diabetic <laughs> are you happy to tell me a bit more about the tech and the devices that you use you talked about the fact that you use freestyle libra and omnipod have you ever tried anything else or is it that you sort of started with those and you've stuck with those and maybe do you want to just say what you find beneficial about using those well to be honest yeah these these are the the first two pieces of sort of advanced medical devices for diabetes that I've, I've ever used and you know I've, I've never changed from them so the first time I tried the freestyle Libra was actually um, it was for my 19th birthday because I remember way way back it was uh, November 2017 I think Theresa May announced that they were going to make the freestyle Libras available on the NHS she was a user of, of the Libra as well and there was a lot of excitement around that. There was a lot of anticipation. And it only really came to fruition a year or a year and a half after that. So I remember for my for my birthday in that January 2018. No, it must have, yeah, it must have been 2017, actually. But yeah, I got, I got my first sensor as a birthday present, which is a weird thing. And yeah, I, I had it for two weeks. That, that's sort of how long they last before you have to change them. And it was absolutely astonishing. And throughout the course of that year where I had spare money i'd buy one so i'd say i'd normally have a sensor on for about half the month so you know two weeks every month where i could afford it because the whole sort of device the way it was sold it was about 150 pounds which gets you the actual little monitor and and a sensor and it was about 50 pounds for a sensor after that and obviously being on a sort of student budget it wasn't always like a viable thing to, to use to buy so over the course of about six months i think my hba1c from using it just you know once a month it dropped from i think i was up around like eight seven point eight or eight that was on the sort of the old code of scale system i think it, it dropped to about 6.2 after that just from about three or four months of using it and i remember going to an appointment at Ormskirk hospital no i should st james hospital in fact i'd move my diabetes care over and they were just absolutely astonished <laughs> And uh, it was quite mind blowing how, you know, one little device could change your HbA1c, which is obviously a very important reading for diabetics. It could change it that quick and that dramatically. And after that, I just, you know, where I could, I would, you know, buy one as often as I could. And I think for about a year, I was using them privately before I managed to get on the NHS and get them prescribed. But yeah, that that was a huge change for me. That was a massive change. Um, at the time, I, I was still on injections. You know, I was, I was doing my Lantus. I was I was on my Nova Rapid pens, so I didn't have the full circuit that I've got now. But just the change in blood sugar readings, the, the change in how I felt day to day, less lethargic, more energetic. You know, it had such a big effect on me and on my mood generally as well. Well, me personally, I hold myself to quite high standard. I can be quite I can be quite critical of myself. So where I'd have bad readings, bad HbA1c results, it would affect my mood a bit and. Sometimes, you know, I'd, I'd probably be a bit too harsh on myself. So having that device and being able to actually take more control of my diabetes, it was it was massive for me. And I've, you know, ever since I first, you know, had one in 2017, I've not used anything else. I've not felt the need to. And I've always just, you know, I've always thought this, it does what I need it to do. And it's, it's perfect for me. And it was only, I think it was March 2018 when I got the Omnipod system. I remember I was, I was, I was to and fro in between, I think it was the Omnipod and the, and the Dexcom one. And I just did not like the idea of having tubes on me. And 
it, it, I think the Omnipod at the time it wasn't as well recommended or you know well taken up by diabetics it, you know compared to sort of the Dexcom the Medtronic ones and I just thought in terms of having the freedom of you know no wires attached to you no tubes that was perfect for me and especially if something you know like sports like skiing I didn't want to have something where you know if it's in my pocket and you know I have a crash it could possibly rip itself out or I could damage it in some sort of way so the Omnipod being you know a tubeless device that was that was perfect for me and it had you know all the same sort of features you could manipulate you know, your basal levels, your bolus levels, you could set presets. So ever since, again, ever since I've got that, I've not tried anything else. It's, you know, I'd be open to try other stuff. It's just, it's it's suited my needs for now. I know there's a new Omnipod Dash system come out, so I'm, I'm going to try and make some inroads to possibly get that if I can in, in one way or another. But yeah, that's all the medical devices I use at the moment. That sounds amazing. So about the Libra, I guess in essence, it's just a disc on your arm. What were you doing differently? You said you were more in control. How did it empower you? And what were you doing differently? Were you reacting more to the data you were seeing on your phone? So I think compared to sort of your standard capillary fingerprint blood testing it gave me much more freedom to test well more quickly and more often whereas i think the procedure for you know getting a fingerprint testing kit out washing your hands putting the strip in you know pricking your finger going through all of that it became much more of a chore where i think it was quite easy and you know you could persuade yourself that you knew what your blood sugars were without doing a fingerprint test and i think that's quite a dangerous mindset to get in Obviously, diabetics, uh, I remember when I was first diagnosed, I was told I had to test up to eight times a day, you know, potentially more. And that's kind of the standard. Now, doing that throughout the course of a day is really quite taxing. Both of them sort of get into both. I guess sort of like your self-confidence in that, you know, you think you, before you do anything, food-wise, sport-wise, whatever it is, you need to go and, you know, actually figure out where your body's at. And I think it just restricted your freedoms a lot more. I don't think it's a bad thing doing fingerprint testing. You know, I did it for five, six years and obviously it's very necessary and I still do it now. But I think the, it, for me, it was it was the freedom that the Libra gave me and just being able to see, even so over the course of the night, seeing how your blood sugar changed, that was really, really important to me because at the time, well, when I was younger, I was doing a lot of sort of gym work and like exercise in the gym. And so when you're sort of lifting weight, doing sort of, you know, I guess heavy lifting, it can have the opposite effect to what sort of cardiovascular sports would have in that, you know, it can raise your adrenaline now and then six to eight hours down the line, it could drop it. I think with the freestyle Libra, being able to see what was actually going on over that nighttime period, that was massive. And it really, it, it prevented a lot more hypos for me because, you know, when I was younger, I was still getting getting used to carb counting, getting used to how different foods affect it, like high fat foods, how they can reduce the effectiveness of insulin and over a long period of time. And with, with the Libra, it just it alleviated a lot of those restrictions and barriers. Yeah, it was, it was absolutely seminal to my diabetes care, to be honest. I mean... And yeah, I, I couldn't imagine what it'd be like without sort of a con continuous glucose monitoring system on me now. But yeah, 
I've not actually tried it. I know there's a new one out. I've not tried it yet, but I'm, you know, I, again, I'm happy with the technology I've got and it works for me. Oh, that sounds great. It sounds like you could manage your insulin and you were seeing what was happening after your meals and your carbohydrates using those tests. That's great. So in terms of your sport, do you do anything different when it comes to food or do you change your insulin intake or your carb intake? Or do you sort of have to think about the exercise and movement you're about to do at skiing and what you're doing around it? The Extod principles would sort of summarize that as ice. Yeah, so with going to escape and stuff, like I said, there's it, a massive adrenaline factor there. So for me, what what was absolutely crucial, the, the sessions would be around sort of half seven till half nine at night. So after university, we'd all sort of, you know, go down to Parkinson building at University of Leeds and we get picked up by the coach and we'd all go down together. And obviously we get picked up around sort of six o'clock, something like that. So it was around the time when I'd be having dinner anyway. So it was quite important for me to make sure that I was having the right food you know I wouldn't have to be managing well overly managing my diabetes during the session so you know not having too big of a meal was quite important on those days because it became much more harder to you know carb count and figure out exactly you know the the right amount of insulin that I needed because like I've said the adrenaline factor will push your you know your sugars up anyway so for me, being on that coach and on the way down there, well, that was the most crucial part of the management for me, making sure that my levels are right before actually getting to the slope. And But I, th- I think, again, it's it's something that what allows me to really look after my, my levels and sort of achieve the right sort of balance is like the devices, because, you know, if, if, I'm, if I'm up on the slope, it's not like I can just whip out a full finger prick test kit where it's you know if i had my phone on me i could just scan my arm and you know get a quick snapshot into what my blood sugars are doing and what they've been doing sort of like the previous hour that that was kind of the way i went about it i think in terms of like what you say about using sort of carbohydrates before sessions and whatnot that's definitely something that i did whilst going away on a ski trip so when you've got a long day of skiing ahead of you which is going to be quite physical going to be quite intense that's where I'd make sure I'd, I'd reduce my levels, my sort of insulin to, to carb ratio so that I, I was a little bit, maybe running a little bit higher throughout the morning. But it meant over the, the grand course of the day, it meant that my, my levels wouldn't drop too severely. And again, for me, just managing and you know keeping the right sort of levels, what's crucial to that was just regular testing, regularly using the capillary blood test, but also using the Freestyle Libra. Just, it, I remember Linda, my pediatrician, when I, when I got diagnosed at Ormskirt, she, she always said, you've got to think about it like you're a detective. And, you know, the, the best way for a detective to get to the bottom of a mystery is finding all the evidence available. And the best way for a diabetic to do that is simply through regular testing, because then you can kind of can make the right calls, you can make the right decisions when it comes to giving yourself insulin or topping yourself up with carbohydrates. Oh, that's a great analogy. I really like that. So what are some of the positives of finding the sport? Have you made any friends and did you get any sort of peer support throughout your diabetes journey so far? I think sport's very important. And I unfortunately fell into the misconception when I was diagnosed, when I was younger, that sports, at least at a competitive level, weren't sort of open and available to diabetics. You know, that that, that wasn't from anything the doctors had told me or anything that, you know, teachers 
teachers had told me or anything like that it was just almost like an underlying assumption that I guess I had so going through high school I, I'd play sports I'd play football you know obviously I'd, I'd be skiing but I'd never really do it at a competitive level where, where I probably could have I, I was an avid swimmer when I was younger as well and that all kind of stopped when you know I, I got my diagnosis and it was you know, looking back on it, it was a very, very silly misconception that I had because, you know, you, you look at professional sports players now that do have diabetes and how well they're doing. You know, we've talked about Henry Slade and the rugby union player, how well he's doing. Another one that comes to mind is Nacho Fernandez, you know, the Real Madrid defender who's won every title under the sun, whether it's Champions League, Spanish Cups, performing at the, the top level and just finding a way to, to do that around diabetes and making sure that it's not like impacting in a negative way. I think when I was younger, like if I could change, you know, the, the way I had my outlook on it, it would definitely be that because there was definitely more things I could have done with sport. But skiing for me, I think because as, as a leisurely activity, it's very much you're managing yourself. You know, you're out there, you're having your own fun. Obviously, you're with other people. You know, and you can be doing different things together. So, like, obviously, if you're, you know, doing like a freestyle competition or an event, obviously, you, you might be representing a university or, or whatnot. But I think because it was very individualistic in, in my subconscious, anyway, it was, it, it was, it was as if people didn't need to rely on me, and I probably felt somewhat unreliable in that if I had, you know, a hypoglycemic episode or a hyperglycemic episode that might you know impact negatively on the team or you know how well we're doing in the sport etc so i think that there was a weird i had some sort of weird bias when i was younger when that's it's completely not the case when i've done sort of freestyle events or you know going down to escape on thursdays with the university team everyone's very supportive and, and in, interested in what it is and sort of how it affects you and especially when you're going away on ski trips got you've got a team of people around you who are keen to understand and want to understand in case anything bad does happen you know if you do fall hypoglycemic and you might not realize especially you know with the other element of skiing which is the apres ski so you know anything to do with drinking people want you know, i've generally found that the people that i've engaged in the sport with are interested and will look out for you and so i think to be honest sport is such a massive part I think of most people's lives, but also it's very important to diabetics for the fitness aspect. It's such a key component to good diabetes care, in my opinion. I think without sport and fitness, my sort of management of my insulin and management of my blood sugar levels, it, it would be way worse. I guess the one big takeaway is that you shouldn't really be feel restricted in engaging in sport at the higher level. It might be harder, but you know people have done it before and people will continue to do it. And I think if you've got a passion for it, then you'll be able to overcome any sort of obstacle. That's really good advice. Thank you. It sounds like those role models are really important for you to see out there doing things, aren't they? For almost getting you above and beyond your courage zone, shall we call it, if you have that sort of fear factor, but can see others doing amazing stuff or being at an elite level, I guess that encourages you to do a bit more, does it? Yeah, definitely. You know, I remember Henry Slade, one, I think he uh, really came out about it like a year or so ago. He said when he went to, you know, for his diagnosis when he was much younger the doctors were basically just like well you know this could be it for you and I think it was it was the same with with Nacho the football player as well it was like this is more than likely the end of your sort of professional career and your like ambitions for you know a achieving a level that at the professional standards in, in the sport you love. And I think it just goes to show that if you really want something, you can overcome it. And diabetes is definitely not an obstacle. It's just one extra thing that you need to be careful of and you need to think about. The Henry Stone one sticks to my mind because of, you know, the, the adrenaline factor there 
in rugby, obviously a very, very physical contact sport. Adrenaline levels are very high, even though you're running about. And I remember him saying the sort of the first training session and he, you know, he, he'd had his jelly babies before and his, to get his, inch, uh, his blood sugar levels up, came in at half time and realised they were through the roof. And it was because of that adrenaline side of, of the sport, which he didn't really calculate for. And that was six my mind because... Obviously, then uh, I believe sort of half times throughout the game, you know, he'd, he'd come in and take a shot of insulin, which, it, you know, is completely counterintuitive to what you'd think what would happen with your blood sugar levels. And it, for me, it just goes to show once you figure out how to manage it, it's, it's you're very you're more than capable of doing whatever you want to do. It's just, I think, the fear factor of having to actually figure out how to do that. So you you can do what you want to do. That's really interesting. So what advice would you give to someone who has maybe recently been diagnosed or has been diagnosed for a while, but is a little bit scared of getting involved in sports? It's a tough one, especially for newly diagnosed patients, because there's a lot of uncertainty and there's there's a lot that you don't know or, or understand, really. And I think when you're in the hospital and you get diagnosed obviously the doctors and the nurses are they're so helpful that they're absolutely brilliant at sort of instilling like the right way to go about managing the diabetes but they're only limited in that they will never fully understand i guess how diabetes affects that person in particular so i think diabetes is a journey it's a journey of understanding or understanding yourself and making it work for you Another great quote from Linda actually was, you want to manage your diabetes, you want to control it and it does, you know, don't let it control you essentially. And, you know, when I got told that when I was in hospital, that that was kind of my, that was the way that I'd looked at care of my diabetes going forwards. So it's, it's always better to, in my opinion, sort of overly manage and maybe, you know, test your blood sugar more than you, you should do just so it doesn't impact negatively down the line or or in, in doing anything else, because ultimately it's, it's a very serious condition. And I've seen the effects of it on people who don't, you know, take the right mindset and manage it effectively. And I think you've just got to understand that, but not be scared of it. I remember when I was, when I was diagnosed in, in the hospital, I, I wasn't particularly scared. It was it was my mother more than anything because of that uncertainty factor. Obviously, I was, you know, like 12 years old, didn't really know what was going on. Just knew that I had some sort of, you know, condition that I was going to have to manage for the rest of my life. And, you know, it's quite easy to be scared of it, but I think you've just got to think about it as you've just started a new journey and it's going to be, a, you know, a journey of learning, understanding. Because um, as I say, everyone's different and, you know, insulin will affect you in different ways. You'll be affected in different ways around the different things you do, the different sports you do, the different type of work you, you do. But I think that the most important thing of all of that is to not let it dictate your life. Do what you want to do because you want to do it. Don't think that you can't do something because you know you've got this condition which you're going to need to manage. Obviously, it's very important, but don't let that dictate what your future holds for you. I think another really key thing that helped me as well was having a, a good team of people to support me. And well, so when I was at university, I actually started a diabetes society with a friend. So we had like a network of type one diabetics that and, you know, we, we still chat now just to talk about anything, just to talk about our experiences with it, any new developments, any new research coming out. I think it's really important to have people around you that you can talk to quite openly about those things. And because I think there's going to be definitely is a lot of times where you'll 
you'll have problems with your diabetes. You'll have, you know, whether it's mismanaging it or whether there's just something that's, you know, irking you in particular about the devices you've got or whatever it is that only other diabetics will really understand and that you can, you feel like you can talk to about. So I think it's important to, you know, have people around you that are quite open to talking about that and will support you. Yeah. And apart from that, it's just don't be scared of it. Not necessarily a negative thing. I think it's made me as a person much more resilient and much more independent. You know, sometimes I think about what's what would my life be like without diabetes and the, the challenges you come up against, especially earlier in life, it makes you a much stronger person. Whereas uh, they speculate on what it'd be like, you know, without it. But I, I do know for sure that if I want to do something, Sometimes it's twice as hard for me, you know, if it's sport related or whatever. But, you know, I know that I'll be able to do it anyway because I'll just I'll push over those obstacles. Definitely don't see it as a negative thing. Just just see it as a, a change in your way of life more than anything. And, you know, make sure you've got good people around you that there to support you. That's probably the advice I'd give. Oh, fantastic. That's some really good advice there. Thank you. And it sounds like that Linda's really given you some good advice over the years that's really stuck with you. Well, thank you very much for coming on today, Curtis. It's so inspiring. I've not really skied before and you've inspired me to try it i might pop over to escape it's not too far away from me actually i'll, I'll take you down the slope I'll, I'll give you a few lessons thank you that's very kind of you and again thank you so much for coming on and we will post all of where you can follow curtis and his social medias etc on the podcast notes thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you again in the next episode Remember, if you have enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a positive review, subscribe for upcoming content and follow us on social media at BDA underscore SEN diabetes.